Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi, everyone. Today on Looking Forward, we have a great guest who is a software engineer by training and a leading figure in a trend which has been building steam for several decades and is especially pervasive in his country. I'm speaking about Tavi Kotka, his country of Estonia, and the digitalization of our societies. Tavi Kotka became Estonia's first ever chief information officer in 2013 to oversee the country's development as an advanced digital nation. He previously worked in the private sector, starting his career as a programmer before rising to be the CEO of the region's largest software development company, Web Media, which is now known as Nortel. During this time, Tavi was named Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year. As Estonia's CEO, Tavi introduced a number of new ideas that have come to define the concept of e-Estonia as a digital nation, and these best practices are now being copied and implemented by other governments around the world. This includes the e-residency program, which has placed Estonia at the epicenter of the global tech community, as well as innovations such as data embassies and VAT fraud protection. As a result of his work in the public sector, Tavi was named European CIO of the Year in 2014 and received Estonia's prestigious White Star 3 class order in 2016. Tavi is now back in the private sector, helping startups develop and consulting with large enterprises and governments on digital transformation. He is also a very popular and visionary speaker at large conferences around the world. Tavi is also now a special advisor to European Commission Vice President Andras Ansip on the European digital single market. Hi, Tavi. Welcome to Looking Forward. Hi, Jeff. Greetings from the, from the north. Like, uh, yes. Snow, snow and dark north. Snow and dark north. By the way, we're having snow here too today. I'm near Philadelphia, so we're both having snow. Tavi, you've been one of the leading faces and forces in Estonia's digital revolution. Can you please tell us what led up to your involvement in that effort? For instance, I know that you were the first chief information officer behind Estonia's pursuit of a digital society. Is that something that you had aspired to for a long time? Oh, yeah, it's a long story, actually. First of all, uh, Estonian digital journey started like 20, 22 years ago um, in a heavyweight way. I joined the government slightly later, so I can say that I'm more or less together with my team responsible of the second wave of uh, digital Estonia. So the okay. first things uh, when they happened, uh, I was just young programmer. And I still remember when those tools and regulations came, like I hated them because they made the uh, programmer's life more complicated. But obviously when I became the CIO, uh, <laughs> I actually loved all those regulations because uh, you, you saw the outcome like later. I started from the private sector as an engineer and I uh, was part of the team who built up the largest software engineering company in our region. 
Wow. I was the CEO and, and like partner of the company. And after 12 years, I sold my shares and I got this non-competition thing. So I couldn't compete in private sector. Okay. And the government, uh, Stone is small, so government noticed that and offered me a job as a, as a CIO. And um, I haven't done my military service, so uh, I thought I will give something back. So I joined as a, as a CIO and uh, I promised him two years, but it was super interesting. So we, I stayed for four years. It's interesting times because Estonia got extra funds from European Union uh, and every country can decide by themselves like how they can use it. And Estonia started to think about maybe we should use it even more on IT and digitalization. So I saw an opportunity, like having um, like many ideas and also financing. So uh, it seemed to be a great thing to do something for a country. And as an engineer, like if you are in a bank or in telecom or in startup, the discipline you are working with is always quite narrow. And the influence you have, yes, it might be global, might be not, but Definitely uh, to feel the connection that you're actually changing the society, uh, it's very hard to get there. But in government, like even small thing uh, can change many lives. And you really did. I must stop for a minute and say that when I hear people like you who are not from an English-speaking country speak English so well, I am just so impressed by that because you see, I can't speak another language well. And I know this is not your native tongue, so I just want you to know I'm really impressed. Can you please tell our listeners, Tavi, who are not familiar with Estonia, a little bit about your country, its style of government, its people, and maybe a few of the well-known companies that are based there. I can think of one right off the top of my head, but I'll let you talk a little bit about this. Can you name it? You want me to name it? Yeah, please. Skype. Okay, yeah. Uh, if you tell this to Swedes, then Swedes will say that, no, no, Skype is from Sweden. And, oh, okay. Um, and then you call to Danes, and then Danes will say to you that, no, no, it was Danish company. But, <laughs> uh, and then Luxembourg said that it was actually incorporated in Luxembourg. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, Skype was engineered uh, in Estonia. I think one of the most known uh, uh, financial uh, companies in London, uh, TransferWise, is actually also Estonian origin. So uh, it was founded by two Estonians. And uh, the biggest competitor to Uber in Europe and in Africa is called Bolt. And that company is also Estonian origin. So there are like many, many good companies coming up from here. Just for once, can you spell that company, the one you just mentioned, the Uber of- uh, B-O-L-T. Bolt. 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 Yeah, like the runner. Uh, like the runner, right? Like the runner, yeah. But Estonia is like uh, it's a country in North Europe, next to uh, Finland, uh, Russia, Sweden, Latvia. There's only 1.3 million people, so population-wise, it's small. Yeah. But land-wise, it's big. So land-wise, it's bigger than Netherlands or Switzerland. Or wow. So we have a lot of land, and I think that's one of the reasons why country is digital because. Uh, there is no efficient governing model for this kind of situation where, situation where you have a lot of land and not too many people. So you have to push people towards uh, self-service. And uh, self-service needs internet, self-service needs tools, applications. So definitely that was one of the reasons for our success. 
how about the government itself? What kind of a government do you have? Would you describe it as being more socialist in nature? How would you describe the system there for people uh, like, who are unfamiliar with Estonia? Yeah, I mean, we have to understand it's uh, we have our own home, uh, like own language and uh, Estonians as a tribe have been living here um, like since the beginning. Like So uh, which means that um, when we established our country first time, it was 1918, two months later than Finland. Estonia was like before Second World War, Estonia was quite a rich country, basically on the same level with Finland. Mm. And then we were occupied by Soviet Union and then our development stopped for uh, 41 years or 51 years. People still felt that pride and like they want to be like Western, uh, very like corruption-free, open, open sure. country. And basically we started to rebuild uh, what we had before Second, war, Second World War. I would say it's not about so much right or left wing. It's more about being pragmatic and getting more wealth to your people. Okay. Tavi, looking forward as a podcast tends to focus on the future, but in order to do that, we first like to take a look backwards a bit. Why and when would you say Estonia decided to embark on a digital revolution? You kind of alluded to that. And who spearheaded the revolution? You mentioned a moment ago that you were kind of in the second wave. So why was it started and who was really the driving force or what was the driving force behind it, Tavi? Driving force is very simple. Like if you have a huge amount of small towns and villages, like you can't have a banking office there or like you can't, can't have a government officer in every village. Like so it's not economically efficient and private sector uh, led the way and then government followed. But I think it's most important uh, is to understand that if you want to build a digital society, it's not government job or it's not the private sector job, it's, it's a joint effort. And you actually have to work together because without government regulations, there is no, I'll say, common ground or like agreement that let's, let's, let's say that we will solve the digital signature issue this way or digital identity issue that way. Uh, and, uh, and vice versa, if the private sector doesn't accept the proposition what government has and, and don't build the tools like, and don't use those tools, like also nothing happens like so it's 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 joint offer and it all started in late 1998 1999 and it was led by the prime minister back then who actually he's historian uh, by education so uh, in IT and and software engineering he was i would say not the brightest but he was smart enough to trust engineers and i think that's also very important the Estonia has trusted their engineers like through decades yeah. Is that Tumas Ilves? No. Not uh, Tumas. Tumas Ilves uh, is a very bright guy and a very smart guy. And he was the president, but he was president. president later. Back then, he was a foreign minister. And he helped our schools to be computerized and then, and, and, like, getting like better internet to the country, etc. But back then, yes, he wasn't the prime minister. Okay. One thing I just want to go back to when we were talking about companies that are based in Estonia, started by Estonia. I had the pleasure of having an episode with Tim Draper. Do you know Tim? The residency number two. Yes. He's been very much involved in Estonia as well. 
I'm talking with you, I'm speaking with you, Tavi, about the digital revolution. I think it will be extremely helpful if you can speak to what I would see as being amazing things that e-Estonia has accomplished over the last few decades. Maybe you can share some of those with our listeners, talk a little bit about how they were able to come about. I think about the e-resident program. I think about the voting, which, you know, we're thinking now we're really doing very well with voting and how people can vote. And, and you guys have been doing this stuff for a while. There have been a lot of really great things that you have done with a card that you have. I mean, you could probably talk for hours about this, but can you just highlight some of the amazing things in my mind that you've done that we haven't, we're not even near doing here in the United States? Yeah, I mean, uh, like looking what happens with your elections in, in states, it's always a, like, I'll say, I, I shouldn't say it, but like for us, it's a comedy. Like, so you standing lines are in queues and like waiting for your turn and like then you count the votes for a week or two or like. Andy, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, if you compare this with voting over the internet, Basically, I don't know what they're doing, but it takes 37 minutes after the closing time. It takes 37 minutes to, to get the vote. So I don't know why it takes so long. 37 uh, minutes, Tavi? Yeah. And you guys know the, 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 the tally. We know the results of the e-voting or voting over the internet, yeah. uh, which is around like 45, 50% of all the I votes. Uh, because there are still, uh, you can still go and vote physically. I see. And I mean, it takes like a couple of hours to, to read those. But yeah, I mean, this, we started in 2015. Uh, no, no, sorry, sorry, 2005. So it's already 16 years. Wow. And um, looking over uh, election results, uh, just looking at the results, you can say that like nobody has a control over the system. And, uh, yeah. but e-voting is just a, like one of the, examples uh, what you can build if the society together has solved the questions like who is behind the device i mean that's one of the things that you still miss like in many countries and uh, so there are no proper like identification tools and ways how, how to identify yourself or like how to provide uh, a proper uh, digital signature for example like and that's the story story so uh, if you build digital society like First of all, it's important to understand who you are. In US, you have a social security number, but it's limited. The use you can only use it in healthcare, I think, and I, and I don't know if taxes also or not. But it's not a public number. So if you have John Smith in one database, let's say in the bank, and you have John Smith in other database, let's say in the government, uh, basically it's impossible to connect those two databases because there is no common uh, user identifier. But in the Nordics, and I'm not saying only in Estonia, but uh, the whole Scandinavia, everybody has a unique identifier, uh, which we treat as a digital name, which means that like we can basically combine all kinds of databases. And even if we don't know that, like, okay, there are two databases that doesn't seem to be connected, and it doesn't need to be connected today, they might need to be connected in future. And as the like architecture and Everything has been built in a way that you can connect everything. Obviously, you have to have consent and control. But this way, we can build all kinds of different uh, services, registries. We can combine the information from the private sector with the information from the government. And it's great. 
and we all use the same kind of uh, identification and, and signature tools, which means that from the cybersecurity perspective, it's also easier to protect all this. Building this digital society together, the private sector and public sector, definitely has been the, like the, how say, the essence or the core of all of, all of this. Yes, we're not going to get into this, but I just want to throw this at you because I know one of the underpinnings of it, I believe, is blockchain technology, which is something else that I'd like to pursue with somebody in another episode. But I read how that's a part of what you're doing. I have to do a slight correction there. Okay, because, go ahead. Um, yes, Estonia has been using ledgers and blockchain type of technology uh, uh, before blockchain. Uh, oh. For example, like the privacy is protected in Estonia in a way that people actually have control over the data and they can see who has looked at the data, changed the data, deleted the data, etc. Right. And uh, to achieve that, like you have to keep the logs basically outside of their like, registry. So let's say if the doctor goes and looks somebody's health records and now goes to the system administrator and says, like, please delete the fact that I actually looked at this health record. Then even if the system administrator is doing that, uh, it doesn't help because uh, there are like ledger-based logs, which means that already that log is propagated in, in several different uh, servers and locations. So we used those technologies way before blockchain was there. Before blockchain. Yeah. And okay. so we cannot say it's a blockchain-based. Yeah, but this is just one of, one of the examples. So um, I wouldn't emphasize that too much. Uh, it's important. Uh, it's important to guarantee that people actually trust the system, but it's not something that you use everywhere to build everything. Okay. A couple of other specific examples that I was very impressed by, if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about them, Tavi. And you kind of alluded to it with what you just said with the doctor. Somebody needs to go to the hospital. The ambulance picks the person up. By the time that person gets to the hospital, the hospital staff knows a whole bunch of things about that person, correct? Which helps in the treatment of that individual. That's one. And then the second one is that e-residency program, which I think is such a creative, great idea. So if you could Thank talk you. about the ambulance one and then also about the digital residency, I think they're both really neat. Yeah. So in Estonia, all hospitals are connected, which means that it doesn't matter like which hospital you went and what treatment you got. It's all in your um, like patient records, and every doctor has access to like any person's patient record in Estonia. Obviously, they have to have a reason. Uh, without a reason, uh, it's treated as a criminal crime, so they can get they got punished. Wow. But this, they have the access, and it, it does. It's, it's, not, it's not only ambulance. It's also, uh, let's say, you uh, uh, go to a doctor and you say that you had a. I mean, doctor, without like, instead of asking you, have you had measles? Like he or she already ha has seen that, like yeah. in front of them. So you don't have to double like um, check or describe your uh, medical history in two ways. Like so, and you don't forget anything important because like it's all there. Uh, obviously, you can cover. I mean, uh, in Estonia, it's very important that uh, if you don't want to, let's say, show to a doctor that you had some kind of funky disease, you can cover that. In many cases, say, young ladies are covering the fact that they had abortion. Like so, yeah. uh, so statistically, it's there, but no doctor can see. It. So that's the power of having data connected between the hospitals, even though they do they belong to the like uh, different owners, etc. Right? It's not just one system only. 
The second example, yes, your residency is my baby. Thank you for that. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, we did it together with two other uh, government officers by, back then. And I'm still the head of the council. And uh, I would say it's a like a reasonable outcome what happens when your government can provide services location independently. So we are capable, Estonia was capable to serve our diaspora already 10 years ago. And uh, it was logical that if you want to get your economy bigger, if you want to get uh, more people to be connected with your economy, you need some kind of tool. And uh, and we know that like we are here in up north, so it's dark. I mean, you are in the latitude of, I don't know, Rome. So yeah, right. we, are, we are in the latitude of Alaska. Like, so, uh, <laughs> So nobody wants to go, come to this kind of dark and, and cold place. Yeah. Uh, and then we start to think like, why should they come? Like, why cannot they use uh, the same way? Like U.S. companies are incorporated in Delaware. Like, so why cannot companies can be connected with Europe through Estonia? We are actually amazed that we created this program for like people and companies outside of EU, European Union. But currently, 70% of our customers are actually from inside European Union. Wow. Because in the end of the day, people actually like, want to focus on their like, main skills and, and then main services that they are providing. So uh, they don't want to deal with accounting and reporting and all that kind of stuff. Like, so, and if one country says that, like, forget it, I will take care of it like, with a very reasonable price, then it's obvious that you will use that kind of opportunity. Just to explain briefly, Tavi, to people who may not be familiar with why you had the e-residency program, I guess there weren't a lot of people moving to Estonia. You had a, a little bit of a population shortage to some extent, and you also wanted to attract businesses. Um, <laughs> it's actually, Estonia is a dream of uh, right-wing populist. I mean, uh, you, you can keep your own people inside, and then uh, instead of migrating uh, other people to your country, yeah. we actually keep them outside behind the wall and uh, you still are connected, like they still contribute to your economy. Like, so it's a, it's a populist dream. Basically, residency is that you can become a digital Estonian. So uh, all the services, like government, private sector services are available. You just not live here physically. So, yeah. uh, so you can have a company here, you can do a transaction from here, you can hire people, rent stuff for them, whatever like you want to do, but you still live in Pennsylvania. What's really neat about it too is nowadays, what's really become more popular is this notion, Tavi, of virtual. So people being virtual assistants, working virtually together. This is an example of that, but it's a country. <laughs> This is my virtual country, my right? Uh, actually, that's the right thing. Uh, what the Estonia did, it's not virtual country. It's actually, it's still a real country. And that provides you yeah. uh, like uh, some legal base and etc. But you are going in the right direction. Uh, basically, what the e-residency is uh, demonstrating is the fact that you actually can have virtual countries. Uh, because uh, let's say, let's take, Catalonia. Spain doesn't allow them uh, to get independence. Could they form like uh, a virtual country? Yes. 
Because if you want, like historically creating a country has always been about two things, land and people. But in virtual times, land is not important, so you only need people. Right. And if you think about the Jews before a country of Israel was born, they were Jews, even though they lived in New York or in Moscow or like in Paris. So uh, you have to follow the same kind of thinking and, uh, and combine this with technology and uh, great things start to happen in your head. Yeah, I just think it's really imaginative. I, when I first read about that, I thought that was really excellent. What a way to, to deal with a challenge. Now, I have read, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, that Estonia is the world's most advanced digital nation. And I'm wondering if that's true. And also, because of that, how has that helped you in handling the COVID-19 pandemic, Tavi? First of all, I slightly start to think and see that in many areas, uh, China is better than Estonia. They're moving faster because Estonia is still like parliamentary uh, democratic republic, means that uh, sometimes we are wasting time with elections and politicians are not willing to decide and like all this kind <laughs> okay. of stuff. Uh, in China, they don't have that problem. Yeah. So, um, and at least in the city, big city area, China is definitely moving faster than Estonia. Wow. Talking about COVID, I think that virus punched us all to the face. Good thing is that, like, um, as I said, all the private sector and government sector services are digitalized. So there is there was very little need for physical connection, uh, contacts. Yeah. We actually haven't had any lockdowns in a way that you have to stay inside and like you can't walk outside etc like so we haven't had those education system definitely had a shock in the beginning because it was new to everybody yeah and, and mostly what kind of uh, should we use google classroom or should we use zoom or like should we use teams or whatever but this was very quickly settled out i would say and historically uh, for example, um, the communication between the school teacher, uh, student, and the parents has been digitalized already in 2002. And uh, they, everybody was used to use those uh, apps and, and, and tools. I mean, we are in a podcast, so I can't show you, but basically I have everything about my children I have in my, in my phone. So uh, I can like see what they need to study and like wow. how well yeah. they're performing uh, against the class. So I, I can't see that if John or Mary is better than my daughter, but I can see that like uh, my daughter is among best eight or like best two or something like that. So uh, uh, in this way, it was like already quite easy to organize uh, the homework, etc. But Obviously, like no one was ready for COVID, like so. Davit the businesses. Here in the United States, Tavi, there's been a tremendous impact on restaurants. And I'm just curious, even with a digital society like yours, if people want to go out to eat, they got to go out unless, you know, unless they just have everything delivered to them. So how has the economy been affected in Estonia by everything that's happened? And how is it going now? Definitely our uh, tourism sector has been hit. It's not so significant, let's say, compared with France or, or Croatia. Right. Like, uh, it's not number one uh, sector in the country. Second thing is that, as I said, 
we have had very limited period of where, where restaurants are actually closed. Uh, they are mostly mm. open. Sometimes they play with uh, opening times, but and def- definitely it's difficult times for the restaurants. It's not like happy times, yeah. but it's not but it's not a complete shutdown. So yes, the weaker ones are are like pushed out from the market, but uh, stronger ones have stayed and survived. You're surviving. As we look forward, which is what we tend to do with the program. What progress, Tavi, do you see Estonia making or needing to make as it continues its transformation to a digital society? Where do you see the country needing to get to? You mentioned that with politicians and governments, sometimes things don't move as quickly. You mentioned China. What would you like to see happen in Estonia that hasn't yet happened or isn't completed yet? I mean, you have to see this as, um, I think it's better to see this if, you, if we compare this with private sector. So um, like digital transformation uh, with the society and government is it's mostly like the same you had with uh, in private sector, let's say 15 years ago. 15 years ago, if, I don't, if, if you remember those times, it was that the software was built in a way where, let's say, Logistics had their own uh, system, accounting had their own system, uh, CRM was a third system, uh, sales was a fourth system. Sometimes you sold out the car without knowing it, if it's in the stock or not. And like it was a mess because everybody had like their own system. And uh, then it was, let's say, let's have a revolution and let's like uh, rebuild everything uh, and let's, let's, let's do it in a way that like, let's say, the customer data is only in a CRM system and no other system can hold it. And it was built like decentralized, uh, dedicated like software pieces and registries that serve the, the, the purpose. And then so like when you got your data right, you actually started to use that data to do better sales, to do better marketing. And now we have ended up with a situation where like AI and uh, machine learning is, is used to get even more sales and, 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 and better results. So it's the same thing with the government, like most of the government still struggle how to collect data and how to keep up the quality of the data. Estonia and definitely China, we have that part fixed. So it's more about like how we're going to use now those data to answer more difficult questions. And I think that's the biggest challenge for Estonia at the moment, uh, meaning that we don't have enough bright people to ask difficult questions. Hmm. I mean, it's not like machine learning and AI are useful if, if, if you know what you're looking for. We are in a situation, let's say, we could see how, or we could challenge how your fifth grade curriculum influenced your future salary. We could do that. We had the data. Yeah. But like how to combine that study in a way that's actually useful. So uh, Estonia has a great challenge at the moment where we have all data, but we have to build up now the thinking and challenges to support the policymaking and the way, like which way to go forward. Tavi, is this where the potential for you to have individuals who don't live in Estonia, bright people tap into your country through this e-society? Is this where that could come into play? You tap into this pool of talent that's not in Estonia? Is that a resource um, or do you not need that? You actually have it. It's just harnessing it right there in Estonia. I mean, like if there are uh, a student who thinks outside of the box and would like, would like to test uh, some 
hypothesis that he or she has at the moment, definitely they could talk to us and, and see if we have like data to uh, support their study. Like definitely, but at the moment in Estonia, it's more about different silos figuring out like what could what could be done better and like. Uh, I think in Estonia, we are missing the same thing like in every government. Government is like monopoly. They are like, if you're not happy with the government service, like you can always uh, move to another country. Like so, uh, so there is no real competition. So they don't see themselves as service providers and uh, they don't care of the product and service uh, uh, like so much as we do in private sector. So it's normal thinking is that when the new application or register is built, then like it, after the uh, implementation phase, like everybody's like, okay, it is what it is, like instead yeah. of continuously improving it. So those we still have those problems also to solve. But yes, I mean, I like the fact that the data is more or less right, and then we can focus on 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 challenging ourselves and and uh, looking for relations and uh, patterns that hasn't been seen and cannot be seen by human. Yes. And in saying that, it's a perfect segue into something else I want to ask you before we get to telling everybody how they can get a hold of you and what you're doing. And that is, you talked about data. Here in the United States and probably in many countries, but certainly here, we as individuals do not think of ourselves, and rightly so, as owning our data. And you've made a big point about talking about how an individual in Estonia they control their data and who has access to it. And there's a trail. And if they don't want something on there, they're the ones who would have the option to not have that on there. With that, what I'm wondering, Tavi, is in your opinion, how far behind, I'll say, are most of the so-called industrialized nations in terms of the e-society and the data housing and gathering? And do you see them as being able to catch up in some way over the next five to 10 years? You don't want to hear that answer. No, and no, I do want to hear it. We need to hear it. I mean, um, first of all, like, uh, I don't know my data in Facebook or in Google. Like, So uh, actually, students, I think per capita are the like largest nation who actually deletes their data in, from Google. Like, wow, that's in, interesting. Per capita, obviously. Like, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, how far is US and others? You have a huge issue. Uh, and it's not a political. I mean, you have made it a political issue, but it's, it's actually not a political issue. It's an engineering issue. You're missing unique identifiers. So which means that you can never combine private sector data with government data. And that's a huge obstacle, like, let's say, like automated taxis or like uh, to do automated taxis, uh, tax declarations and everything uh, and tax reporting and everything, your uh, like finance systems and like organ registries need to be capable to exchange data with each other. And as long as it's not provided, I mean, yes, you have limited areas you can use, you can do that, but still like it's not for granted that everybody can do it everywhere. Like, so um, it's a huge hurdle. And if you can't connect easily databases with each other, it's like the same way like to say to, to a German uh, that please build me a car, but you can't use a wheel. Yeah. So it's it's not the political thing. It's an engineering question. And yeah. as long as you postpone that, like uh, you never catch China. Yeah. It's a small country. You don't have to follow that. But like uh, you have a bigger competitor 
and also India is is doing great, and I think India will bypass the Western world quite soon. Wow, that's interesting. Have you been approached by anybody in the United States? You don't have to get specific, but are any companies, engineers trying to reach out to you and say, Tavi, you guys are doing great things. What can you do to help us? Or do you find there's more resistance to doing that sort of thing? I mean, there are many myths. Like one of the myths is that, okay, Estonia is 1.2 million uh, nation and like uh, US is 200, 250 times larger or bigger as how like your success cannot be repeated like in US, but on the same time, like China and India are like four or five times bigger than, than US and they can. It's interesting that like building digital society, yes, I mean, uh, if you compare China and Estonia or China and Sweden, for example, then the way how they govern people are different. Yes. But if you look their systems as an engineer, the same. That's I mean, there are not too many ways like how to build those systems. I think all software engineers who are listening to this are agreeing with me that in the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you build, all the systems are the same. Like in one way, you call it customer, in other system, you call it patient, in another system, you call it citizen. But if you look at the object and the attributes, like it's the same. Very interesting. Do you think that it is inevitable, Tavi, that the developed nations are going to have to go in the direction that you have gone? Like if they don't, they're going I mean, to fall way behind? I mean, like, think yourself, we all agree that the future is data and the ability to combine it and, and, and feed it to the ML and the AI. Like, if you can't do that, or if you, if you have limitations there, or you have, like, uh, the problem of not being connecting between databases uh, is that, like, you create silos, and uh, those silos are, uh, how I say, you have the same data in multiple places, and even if you change or renew the statuses or data in one database, it doesn't like uh, you don't do that in, in others. So you, in the end of the day, you will end up with a mess. You as a silo have you have never like I'll say nobody forces you to provide good data because nobody's dependent on you. But think about that. Let's say if you're Minister of Education and all the data that is collected on the ministerial level you are a single source of truth of that data. So nobody, whoever like needs that data, they only can get it from you. And if you don't provide a correct, I'll say full data, you will be ashamed. And, uh, and you, I, this becomes a stick that makes you move faster and do a better job. Yeah, it makes sense to me for sure. <laughs> this is- this That's is... the problem. Like it's, I mean, yeah. we're not doing anything different. We're doing a normal, decent engineering tasks. Problem is that before doing that, you can get, you have to get uh, political approval and then things get messy in your country. And you know, there's sort of an analogy here, Tavi. We here in the United States, and I'm sure this is an issue, at least it has been in many other countries, we have silos that more are related to departments, not to data, but to departments. You have the finance people and the marketing people, and then you have the human resources people, and they're not communicating with one another. Or you have different organizations that are doing repetitive things, and if they work together, that would make things better. Here, it's a case of data and silos. So it's something that I can relate to, and it's a problem that we have more often thought about in terms of organizations and people 
as opposed to data, but you're bringing it out very clearly with data. Your private sector definitely is doing great, I think. I mean, obviously you can do better, but like I think they're doing really great compared with the rest of the world. Like, I mean, without that, uh, uh, you couldn't do so great with your economy. But what I'm talking here is the combination of, of true digital society, which means that to combine private sector and public sector with each other. Yeah. And that's a different challenge. That is a different challenge for sure. Now, this has been fantastic, very enlightening. I so much appreciate your sharing your time and your expertise with us, Tavi. What's the best way for our listeners to find out more about you? I know that you're doing consulting, you give presentations, and anything else you're doing. I'm wondering, do you go to the United States and talk? Are you available to consult with companies in the United States? Not just the United States. This isn't just a program for the United States, but if you can talk a little bit more about yourself and how people can get a hold of you, what you're up to and, and what you're doing. Yeah. Last three years, we mostly have been doing India, helping India to become the yeah. digital nation. And they are doing really great. I'm very, like I'll say, happy. And uh, the work like the government is doing together with private sector, I, I'm really happy about that. And the speed and development and the, like, like how smart they are as a nation, like incredible. The keynotes or, or like speaking engagements, that's actually my wife's business. <laughs> She's taking care of our four children and yeah. then she wanted to do something extra. So he created that keynote speakers company and she was doing so great that, <laughs> that I look at the revenues and profits and I thought like, oh no, no, I have to share with in this. I have to have a share in that company. <laughs> so I became a partner. Yeah. But, uh, so, but if somebody wants to look up, then definitely, uh, I have been doing stuff in in US many times. Yes, currently it's a COVID time, but if somebody needs help, like me, me always willing to help from Estonia. And what is the best way to reach you? Would it be your website if you want to share that versus email? What's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you're doing and how they could get a hold of you? If they want keynotes or stuff like that, then definitely my name, tavigotko.com, is is actually way to start. Can you spell that for, for people, please? Just to make uh, sure. They have to, I think they have to like, copy it from your <laughs> uh, podcast. The name in English means David Eagle, but it's okay. an Estonian version of that. Like, so. Tavikotka.com? Yeah. Okay, so T-A-A-V-I-K-O-T-K-A.com. Yeah, and our consultancy firm is uh, proudengineers.com. Proud, P-R-O-U-D? Yeah, proud engineers. Excellent, but, I love it. I mean, it's a um, it's a company of engineers who have already achieved something in their lives, so they are already proud of something, <laughs> and, uh, and that's why they're proud engineers. Are, are they all from Estonia, Tavi? Uh, yes, they are. Okay. Yeah. Hey, listen, this has been great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for doing this, and continued success to you. You're still so young, so I see you doing a lot more great stuff. Yeah, I couldn't actually like talk about how we solved the problem, how to get more uh, girls to be interested in technology. Like, so, but we leave that to another. another <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, Tavi. Okay. Here now. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes 
please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F-Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F.com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward. Thank you.